Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that, Lord, when you're in the room, it changes everything, God. Lord, when you're in the room, we can have the confidence to know and understand that we're going to be okay. Lord, I pray for this time together as we open your word, Lord, may we see in this story, Lord, your power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. About a year ago, we went up to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now, every time I go there, I see a bear. So I hadn't been there for a while, and I thought, you know, probably should be good to start reading up on bears a little bit, just in case I run into one. So I was reading and different things about bears, and when we're there, we decide that we're going to take uh, a hike. And there's this trail. To, it's a really beautiful trail there. It's very simple, easy trail. It's a little over a mile. It's all paved. There's all kinds of people, kids, everybody in the world uh, uses this trail. And I thought as we went on, I thought, you know, there's no way that we're going to come close to a bear with all these people around. Well, what do you think happened? Came close to a bear. So we're going down the trail, and all of a sudden I look up, and there's a bear walking right towards us. And there was probably about eight people around at the time. And so I immediately, I look to the left, and there's a, there's a big drop-off. Can't go down there. I look to the right, and there's a huge incline. Can't go that way. So you're either going toward the bear, or you're going back down the trail to get away from the bear. So I remembered in my readings that you do not want to run from a bear. They're faster than humans. So I took a good look at this bear, and I thought, you know, I'm a runner. I was a, I was a good sprinter. And I thought, there is no way that I can outrun this bear. Then I looked at the eight other people around me. And I thought, I can outrun every one of them. <laughs> there was only one problem to that plan. Joy was one of the eight people around there. So that plan went right out the window. And the bear comes down, and he gets about 10 feet from us. And I look at him, and he looks at me, and he realizes that I didn't look that tasty to him. And he kept walking, went right on down, and went back into the woods. But as I read about bears, uh, it's amazing. They hibernate anywhere from four to eight months out of the year. And they'll go into a den in the winter, and they don't sleep the whole time. They just conserve energy. And they'll lose 30 to 40% of their body weight. And then in the spring, they'll come out. Now, you know what? That is a major life interruption, isn't it? For half of the year, that bear's life has totally been interrupted. His plans are totally interrupted. And if he decided that during the winter he wasn't going to hibernate, that he was just going to go out and do what he wanted to do and walk miles a day and look for food, that bear wouldn't survive the winter. It's because of that life interruption that that bear lives. It's because of that hibernation that he's able to live through the winter. You know, when we think about that, we have a lot of interruptions in our lives, don't we? Some of them are good interruptions. If, if, you, have a, if you have a baby, that's a good interruption. 
You don't sleep for six months out of the year. It's kind of like the bear or the opposite. But it's a good interruption. And when, you're, when you are married, your life is just totally interrupted. Everything changes. But it's a good interruption. There are times that there's bad interruptions that come into our lives. When we get that, that health diagnosis, uh, when that loved one dies, when we lose that job, those are really difficult and challenging interruptions to our lives. How do we deal with life interruptions? Well, if we looked in the Bible and we said, who's one of the poster children for having their life interrupted over and over and over and something coming into their life that just changes everything? I would say Moses would be one of the people who had a lot of life interruptions. From the time he was a baby, remember Pharaoh was killing uh, the, the male Hebrew children and they had to float Moses down the Nile and leave his family and he was taken into Pharaoh's household and then he had to leave Egypt and then he came back and confronted Pharaoh and left Egypt again and for 40 years wandered the wilderness. All of these things happened to, to Moses in his life. There was always something that was coming in and interrupting his life. In Exodus chapter 2, as we enter the text, we see that Moses is now a grown man. In the first part of chapter 2, we saw that the story of him being a baby and a child, but now he's a grown man. And in Exodus 2 verse 11, we see that something is happening in Moses' life. It says, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses is seeing this happen, this Egyptian who was persecuting one of his Hebrew brother. Of course, you know, we know that uh, the Hebrew people at that time were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were being used as a workforce. And Moses sees this, and he is so mad and so angry that he kills the Egyptian. You see, Moses understood one thing. He loved his brethren. He loved his Hebrew. He understood that even though he was in Pharaoh's household, he was still a Hebrew. He was still one of God's chosen people. You know, in our lives, we need to be proud of the fact that we are a child of Christ. We never need to be ashamed of that fact. In Romans, it tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, we need to have pride in who we are in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is proud of you as his child. We need to never be ashamed of him. So Moses kills this Egyptian, and he's got to get out of town. Uh, so he leaves Egypt, and he ends up in Midian. Now, if you look on a map today, you would say, well, where is Midian? Never heard of Midian. If you would go across Egypt and across the Sinai Peninsula and the Red Sea, you would enter what is today northern Saudi Arabia. And that, back in that time, was Midian. So he goes to the land of Midian, and in verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelled in the land of Midian, and he sat there by a well. So he starts a new life in Midian. He gets out of Egypt. Pharaoh was trying to kill him, and now he's in Midian. 
his life totally interrupted, his life totally uprooted. What's going to happen in Moses' life? Well, in verse 16, we see that Moses' life does change dramatically. It says, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that ye have left this man? Call him that he may come and eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with this man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So Moses' life changes now. Uh, he finds a, a woman, he marries, he has a son, he's working there. Things are going well in Moses' life. You know, I used to, when I was younger, I used to love to kayak. And if you ever kayaked, you would get on certain parts of the river, and it would be so smooth. The sailing would be so smooth. And you'd just go down the river, and it would be so nice. There was n nothing to ever uh, disrupt your voyage. And then all of a sudden, you would look up, and you would see the rapids ahead, see the rocks ahead. And you realize that your smooth sailing is coming to an end. And that's what's happening here with Moses. Moses thinks that he's just going to live his life in Midian, and, and everything's good. Uh, but there's coming an interruption that's going to change the course of Moses' life. A lot of times in our lives, we're just sailing down and everything's so smooth. But then we look up and there's something ahead of us. In Exodus chapter 3, we see the next interruption in Moses' life. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to a mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses is, is seeing this as he is a shepherd, and he's leading the flock. And he looks, and he sees this, this strange sight. This bush is just engulfed in flames. But it's not, it's not burning the bush. And so he goes to investigate, and, and he finds in verse 4, it says, And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jezubites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, 
and I have seen their oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth the people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Moses comes to this, this bush and God himself is there and God begins to tell Moses of his plan. He says, Moses, I've seen what's happening. My people have cried out to me and I've heard their cry and now I'm going to rescue them. They've been enslaved in Egypt for too long. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, and to tell him that he's going to let the Hebrew people go. Now, I'm sure that's not at the top of Moses' list of things to do right now. Moses has a good life. Why? And he begins to make all these excuses. He says, well, God, you can remember it's been a little while ago, but remember last time I was in Egypt, it didn't go so well. And I'm sure there's still people that remember what happened there. And I really don't want to go back. And Pharaoh, I mean, he's the leader of the whole, the whole land. And, and I've got this problem, you know, my, I'm not really good. I stutter and I can't communicate real well. And God, I'm sure there's somebody better to do this task. But God said, no, Moses, I'm choosing you. You know, as, as parents, a lot of times we tell our kids, we say, I know you better than you know yourself. We've all said that, haven't we? God says that to us. He says, I know you better than you know yourself. I know you better than you know yourself. I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that made you. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. I know what you're capable of. And I know the areas that you need to develop in. And you know what? I can develop you. I can help you. And if I say that you can do something, then you can do it. Moses, I know that you can do this. Moses had to simply be willing See, Moses had to really step out of his comfort zone because his life was going really good right now. And he knew that the rapids were coming. And he had to step out of his comfort zone. You know, the comfort zone is a funny thing in our life. When something comes into our lives that stretches our abilities, something comes into our lives that we look at and we go, there is no way that I can make it through this. But God gives us strength. God gives us guidance. He gives us wisdom. And all of a sudden, we start to realize, you know what? I can make it through this, this thing. And it's not easy to get outside of our comfort zone. It's not easy to do those things. But when we do those, it's a time that allows us to grow as a person. It's a time that God develops us. It's a time that he brings new skills into our life that we would have never had unless we stretched ourselves. Whatever it is in your life that God has you to do, Whatever dream he's put into your heart, understand that you've got to get out of the comfort zone to do it. But if you do that, then you'll start to develop the skills and the attributes and all the things you need to do what God has given you to do. And that's what Moses is doing. You know, sometimes we get so comfortable going down the stream when life's good. But then all of a sudden we're uprooted like Moses. And we've got to get out of our comfort zone. And we've got to do something different, you know. I hear people sometimes that say, you know, I just can't talk to people about, about Jesus because I, I'm a shy person. I don't know what to say. And I always say that's an excuse. Anyone can talk to someone about Christ. You just got to step out of that comfort zone. And I always encourage people, ask God this week to bring one or two or three people into your life this week where you can talk to them about Christ. Maybe it's that waiter and waitress that's going through a rough time. 
Maybe it's that person in the store. Maybe it's that neighbor. Look for opportunities. And when they're there, know that God will give you what to say to step out of that comfort zone. So how do we deal with these interruptions like Moses did in our lives? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to collect yourself after that interruption. It's like a, sometimes things come into our lives and, man, they just smack into us. It's like a car wreck. I remember years ago being in a car wreck and a lady smashed into me. And I'm sitting there and I look up in the rearview mirror to see what had happened. And my rearview mirror wasn't there. And it was laying in the passenger seat. And I still remember this day. I'm, I'm looking up thinking... There should be a rearview mirror there. What happened? Hey, you're a little shell-shocked, aren't you, when, when something hits you out of left field. But you've got to collect yourself. You've got to gather yourself, and you've got to get up. And sometimes you've got to get alone, and you've got to get alone with God, and you've got to get your thoughts straight. But when you gather yourself, you've got to allow God, and you've got to allow others at some point to help you. Moses got his bearings back in, in Midian. He got himself collected. And he grew as a person. And then it came to a point where God gave him a mission to do. Now Moses could have went kicking and screaming. And Moses could have said, uh, God, I, there's no way I'm doing this. But Moses got the confidence to know that he was going to do what he needed to do. You know, our state of mind, how we uh, think really determines our outlook on life. You know, if Moses would have said, well, I, I'm, I'm resentful, I'm being resentful to God, then he would have been bitter his whole life. If Moses said that he was unwilling, then he would have been a disgruntled person. If Moses was full of a hate, then he would have shown rage. But if Moses was at peace, he would find meaning. You know, when we're at peace in our life during an interruption, we'll find meaning. To God's direction. Isaiah 26 tells us, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. During a life interruption, find peace. Find the peace of God. And understand that he'll, he'll work things out. Maybe not the way we think. Maybe not the direction we think. I'm sure Moses never thought that he was going to be doing what he was doing. But God worked it out. And in our lives, though, there are some times that things come into our lives that are unexpected. Things come into our lives that we just can't understand and will never understand. And those things that come into our lives that are things that we can never understand, that we can never find meaning, we think, God, why did you bring this? I never, there's no good that can come out of this. I don't understand this. You know, one day we will. When we're not thinking from a finite mind, when we're standing in the presence of God, we'll understand all of what happened in our lives. But those things down here on earth that we just can't explain and can't understand, I think one of the most powerful concepts I've ever read is found in the serenity prayer where it says, accept the things I cannot change. You know, accepting those things that you cannot change is an incredibly powerful principle. Those things that you can't understand. Those things that you don't know why they happened in our lives. And we just can't see them. So many times people get stuck and they can't move past that moment. 
And I encourage you to have to get to a place in your life where you accept those things. Oh, it doesn't diminish the pain. It doesn't make things right. But you know what it does? It allows you to continue on with life. It allows you to say, I don't know why that happened. I still have the pain. I'll never forget it. But I need to move on in life. I need to move on because God has a plan for me. I need to move on for my family. I need to move on for other things. And I know that I can't change it. I can't look back. I know the sands have already slipped through that hourglass. But I'm going to start living again. I'm going to be free again. I'm going to have freedom to live in 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word liberty can also be translated freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. To even know in those life interruptions that will never be explained here on this earth, that we can still have freedom, that we can still move on. We also have to understand in life's interruptions that that interruption may open up an incredibly new direction in our life. One that we never saw was there. Moses' life interruption, well, that really turned into his life mission. Turned into his life mission. He went back to Egypt. He confronts Pharaoh. God gives him the power to do many miracles and, and to send plagues upon Egypt to convince Pharaoh who finally relented and let the Hebrew people go. And Moses would then lead them across the Red Sea. He would lead them through the wilderness and Moses would leave this earth as he was right on the sands of the promised land. He accomplished the mission God had for his life. But if God had never directed Moses in this direction, then he would have never found his life purpose. He would have lived out his life in Midian and had a good life, but he would have never discovered his true life purpose. You know, that life interruption you're facing, maybe, just maybe, that interruption is going to lead you to your life purpose. Maybe that interruption is going to lead you into the direction to where you find your spouse. Maybe that interruption is going to lead you into the direction where you find that job. Whatever it is, understand that in your life, those interruptions you can turn around and find a purpose to. I had a job interruption. I was laid off several years ago. And when it first happened, I immediately was excited. Because I said, there is an opportunity. I know there's an opportunity out there. And I held to that. And you know, God brought the greatest opportunity of my life. All because of an interruption in my life. Whatever you're facing today, understand that that interruption could be the thing that leads you to what you're to do in life. It can lead you to great things. We also have to realize in our lives that when we go through these life interruptions... God gives us a safety net. He gives us a safety net. You know, they talk about trapeze artists, and they talk about that. You have to be able to learn how to use that safety net. As you're falling, and I always just assume you just fell into it. But they said, no, there's a technique. You have to use it. You have to know how to use it. Because if you don't use that right, you can get injured. And it's there for your safety. It's there to save your life. It's there to cause you from getting 
gravely injured. We have to learn to use our safety nets in life. You know, God gives us safe. What is a safety net? A safety net might be that person that God has brought into our life to help us. It might be something that God has used in our life. That when we're going through a rough time, that he has that there as a support to help us, to get us through to the next chapter. Moses was given safety nets in his life. His brother Aaron uh, was much more articulate than him. And uh, Moses uh, took Aaron along. And Aaron, for the most part, was a great help to Moses. He also gave him the power to do miracles in front of Pharaoh. He gave him that safety net to where he could support Moses. He gave him his promises to let Moses know that I'm with you. You're going to be able to do this. You know, you and I, we have safety nets too when we're going through that life interruption. One of them is this church. This church who wants to love, wants to support you. And when you're going through a rough time, there are people, there's family and friends who want to support you. God wants to support you. His promises are there to support you. To catch you during the most difficult times of our lives. But a lot of times things can stop us from using those safety nets that God has for our life. One of the things that stop us is pride. Pride prevents us from using our safety nets properly. And you know, sometimes people want to help us. Sometimes God has brought a person or a thing into our life to help us and to support us. And because of pride, we push them away. We don't want their help. And I always say, why not? God has sent them to help us. God is giving them a blessing to help us. Oh, take that help. Don't be so full of pride that you push people away. Don't be so filled with anger because that event that happened in your life that you're pushing people away. Accept that help. Accept God's safety net to break your fall. Deuteronomy 31 says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. No matter what that life interruption is, God's there for his children. Psalms 139, it tells us the extent that God's there. It says, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if that life interruption took you to Midian or took you to another place. Wherever it took you to, God is there. God is there to help us. And he promises us in James chapter 4. says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. God wants to be by your side during this journey. During that life interruption, he wants to be there with you. Will you let him? Today, will you let him be your safety net? Will you let him be your support? Will you let him help you? through the trials of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that we always have a safety net in you. We thank you, Lord, that we can know that you're with us, that you're not going to leave us, that you're not going to forsake us. 
God, may we always understand that today. May we always use that today. And Lord, if there's a person here today who has never accepted you, if there's someone here today, Lord, that has never asked you to be the savior of their life, Lord. If they were to die today, Lord, they, they are not sure where they would spend eternity. Lord, they're not sure if they would spend eternity in heaven or hell. But Lord, your hand is outstretched today. You're wanting to accept them as your child. Lord, you want them to spend eternity with you. Lord, if there's anyone like that here today, may they know that they can come forward during this invitation and accept you as their Savior. And we'll give you the praise in your name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.